The following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. John chapter 10, the, the Good Shepherd. Uh, Jesus is our Good Shepherd. Uh, this morning we're just going to look at the first five verses. Um, so let's read those first five verses of John chapter 10. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow after a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. All right, let's, uh, let's pray as we look at God's word this morning. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you that um, you are a shepherd. And uh, Lord, help us to realize how much we are like sheep, how much we desperately, uh, by our nature, are followers. Uh, we are looking for green pastures, and we need somebody to show us the way. And we thank you that you are a shepherd who comes along and guides us, and, and so much more. Uh, you are the good shepherd that laid down your life for the sheep. And so, Lord Jesus, we want to just hear your voice this morning. We thank you for this passage and this promise. We ask that, indeed, you would speak to us this morning, and that we would hear the voice of the shepherd calling us uh, as we look at your word. Father, we thank you, and uh, just give this time to you now. pray that your Holy Spirit would empower our hearts to speak and to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, this, is one of, uh, this is one of my favorite passages in John. I'm thankful we've made it through chapter 7, 8, and 9, a little bit of a desert, kind of wandering through these dialogues between G- the, the Jews and Jesus. We finally get back to some good pictures and images, the image of a shepherd. The image of a shepherd, of course, is familiar in the Old Testament. Uh, if you have time on your own, I would encourage you to read this week, or sometime, Ezekiel chapter 34. Uh, great passage, great prophetic word against the leaders of Israel who were supposed to be shepherding Israel, but instead were using the people for their own profit and gain. And in that passage, Jesus, or yeah, Jesus, Ezekiel promises uh, that God will, will someday come and shepherd his people himself. And Jesus here is proclaiming the fulfillment of that promise, that he's coming to be the good shepherd who draws out his people and takes care of them. And I put, uh, let me read just a little bit from Ezekiel 34. Uh, it says, I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace. Okay, how many of you could just like that, that phrase, lie down in peace? If you're hectic, life's kind of crazy right now for you, just let those words soak in. I will make for you a place to lie down in peace. Okay, that doesn't mean you can go to sleep in church, okay? It's not that peaceful yet, all right? <laughs> Unless you really need the nap, then, you know, feel free. Um, 
I will search for my lost ones who strayed away, and I will bring them safely home again. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak. Uh, And that whole passage really gives some great images of that of this shepherd who takes us to peaceful places, the places of rest. A shepherd who comes and bandages our wounds and gives strength to the weak. Uh, For me, those are very comforting words. And I don't know about you, but I need... I know there are a lot of times when I feel very weak and I need strengthening, when I feel very wounded, and I need somebody to come and bandage my wounds. And that's the kind of shepherd that Jesus portrays. And I I really uh, believe that he was thinking and had in, in his mind Ezekiel chapter 34, and of course he is the ultimate fulfillment of that passage. Uh, but he uh, also gives this, this, it's not really a parable, it's really just an image, it's just kind of an illustration. Parable really has kind of more of a plot. And this example, it's an example, it doesn't have a plot, it's not a story. Uh, but it's a good image or picture, and it's very much connected what he, with what he's just been debating with the religious leaders. And he's been going through this long, lengthy debate, argument with about them, about who he really is, his claim to be the Messiah. And uh, it's just astounding to us, but as you read through this, they're just not getting it. He's doing these miracles, he's giving you know, blind, uh, sight to this guy who was born blind, doing these incredible feats, and they're just unwilling to, to accept that someone with this kind of power and uh, authority could be from God. And at the end of chapter 9, he says, you know, I entered this world to render judgment. I give sight to the blind, and to those who think they see, I will show that they are blind. And the Pharisees standing nearby asked, are you saying we're blind? And Jesus says, yeah, pretty much. You know, if you were blind, uh, you wouldn't be guilty. You wouldn't be in your sin. But because you claim sight, you remain in your guilt. You remain in your sin. And he really gives this illustration this example, as a picture of why some people are getting it and some aren't. And uh, it comes down to the fact that some are Jesus' true sheep and some are not. So let's get a little bit of the background first of what, uh, you know, you need to know some things about sheep farming back in that day to understand this passage. And uh, what Jesus is portraying here, picturing here, is a certain kind of sheep pen. And uh, people who had sheep during certain seasons of the year, we'd have to take the sheep to other places. During the spring, when the rains would come and there was grass close to home, they could keep the sheep at home, and during the day, they would take the the sheep out to nearby pastures to graze. But as those uh, pastures dried up or were were grazed and and eaten, uh, as the year went on, they'd have to go farther and farther away from home to find food. And at some point, it was impractical to come home every night. So they would build in far-off remote hills large stone sheep pens. And uh, they would travel maybe a a full day's journey to one of these areas. Uh, The the sheep would graze. And then at night, they would come together, maybe several flocks, several shepherds, four or five different families, would join together and put all of their sheep into one large pen, a stone pen with one gate, uh, one opening where the sheep would enter uh, in and go out. And uh, the, the shepherds would be exhausted, tired, and so they would take turns or they would hire a gatekeeper whose job was to stand guard at the gate while everybody else went off and slept and you know, ate and had a, you know, had a good rest. And uh, this, this, this one guard would guard the sheep. 
Then in the morning, the shepherds would get up, they would come, and uh, now you've got a problem because you've got, you know, each shepherd's got 30, 40, 50 sheep. Now you, they're all together in one pen of maybe 200, 300 sheep. And, um, you know, back then they didn't have all these fun little ear tattoos and things we have nowadays. So they, then you got a problem. How are you going to sort out all these sheep? Well, in that day, because the shepherds spent so much time with the sheep, they knew the sheep very well, they owned the sheep, they raised the sheep. Uh, the sheep came to know the shepherd by their voice. And so the way we work in the morning, a shepherd would come to the gatekeeper and say, Hey, Bob, and say, Hi, Chuck, good morning, how's the sleep? Yeah, it was good. Any problem with the sheep? No, everything was good, you know, good, clear night. Okay, and so he would say, Call out to the sheep, Here, sheepy, sheepy. I don't know what he said, but he said something. Um, call out his sheep. And his sheep recognized his voice, and they would come forward and come out of the, out of the sheepfold. And when he had them all assembled and he knew them, he knew how many, he, he knew their features and their characteristics, he knew them well. And when he knew he had his sheep and uh, no other from the other folds, when he had just his, he would lead them off to nearby pasture. So that's what Jesus is, is uh, that's the image or the illustration, the example that Jesus is using. And of course, people in that day would have known this, how this worked. And he says, so he starts off, he says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. Now, uh, the idea is that somebody coming to the sheepfold who's not a rightful owner, uh, he can't go up to the gate because Bob, the guard guy, knows him. Kind of like, you know, your little gate guy at your, your move on. You know, he knows you, so he doesn't ask you for your driver's license. But if you go other place, you know, you've got to deal with this whole... You, you know, you act stupid, like, I don't know, Ty. And they, you know, ask you all this stuff, and you just kind of look dumb, and maybe they let you go through, right? Well, uh, just like in, you know, here in Thailand, we have those people to keep thieves and robbers out. And so if you're a thief or a robber, you don't go to the gate. You go in some other way. You go in the back door. You sneak over the wall. Uh, and you try to draw the sheep to yourself. And he says that these thieves and these robbers come not for good purposes, Okay, the, the thief and the robber doesn't come to bless the sheep. He comes to steal from the sheep, right? He comes to take advantage. He comes to use the sheep for his own personal end and personal gain. It's probable and probably likely that uh, at least one of the thieves and robbers Jesus may be alluding to here was the religious leader, leaders of, of his day. Uh, certainly goes back to Ezekiel chapter 34 where God condemned those leaders for... Uh, seeking positions of power and, and authority over Israel only for their personal gain, where they use people for their own profit. Uh, but really, it's a picture of, of all the many voices in our life, religious leaders or otherwise, who draw us away from the sheepfold of God. Uh, the reality is that the world is full of thieves and robbers who are trying to draw you away from Christ. Uh, and, and, you know, a sheep, if you, were to, if you were to imagine going into a sheepfold a pen full of sheep and they don't know you, if you were to just jump in there and be threatening and scary and growling, you know, the sheep are just going to run away. And uh, pretty soon you'll be chasing sheep all over the pen. A good thief, a good robber is going to do what? Well, he's going to coax the sheep to himself. Uh, he's going to do something to draw the sheep to himself. And, you know, if, if any of you uh, are, are animal lovers, you kind of know how this works. And even though you may not know sheep very well, 
If you're a dog lover, if you, if you have a cat, well, maybe not a cat. Let's stick with dogs. If you call a dog and it comes to you, you feel like you're friends, right? When I was a kid, I lived for uh, a while on a dairy farm. We had, we had dairy cows. And, uh, you know, it's very interesting. They, animals really do get to know you by your voice, and, and they know their name. And our cows, every morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, uh, you know, the dark 30 in the morning, we get out there to milk the cows, and they would line up in order at the gate. And every morning, we would milk them in the exact same order. Now, I don't know who decided this. I don't know how they figured this out, but they would do this. And uh, you could call a cow by name, and it would come to you, just like a dog would. Uh, they know you by name, and they're drawn to you. Uh, so a good thief or a good robber must draw or lure them to himself. Okay? Uh, and uh, if you... If, if, if you want to steal it, and for me the image that came to mind, okay, if we could move it out of the sheep picture into something a little more modern and familiar, imagine, if you will, 101 Dalmatians. Okay, how many of you have seen the movie 101 Dalmatians and will admit it? Okay, I know the rest of you have seen it, you just won't admit it. All right? uh, you know, the story is about, and I love this, the images in this, in this movie are great. It's about this family, they adopt these two, or they, uh, they fall in love, they each have a Dalmatian, right? They fall in love. Uh, the two Dalmatians fall in love, and they have like a bunch of puppies. I don't remember how many. I think 15. And um, they're all excited. But uh, Cruella DeVille, okay, what a name, Cruella DeVille. Cruel A. Devil. If you break her name down, it's Cruel A. Devil. Cruella DeVille comes, and she wants to buy the puppies, right? But why does she want to buy the puppies? Because she's a dog lover? No. Why does she want the puppies? Because she wants to make a fur coat. Okay, what a picture of, you know, what Jesus is talking about here. Uh, she wants them for her own personal gain. But, of course, the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the couple, they, uh, they love the puppies, and they are incensed that she would want to turn them into fur coats, and they refuse to sell. So she must steal the puppies, and she lures them away. You know, in our world, there are thousands of voices luring you away from Christ. By promising us good things. That's what advertising is. Okay, every advertisement you see is Satan, in some form. Um, you know, really, all marketing people are basically Satan, promising to make you happy by buying their products. Uh, but the bottom line is, they don't want to. They don't want you to buy their products because they love you. They want you to buy their products so they can get products so they can get rich, right? That may be a little harsh. Some companies maybe have more noble purposes than that. Uh, but the reality is that that the world is offering us all kinds of opportunities to find happiness and joy, and makes all kinds of promises that you can be satisfied and delighted and contented through the path that it has, the things that it offers, right? Uh, materialism offers us happiness. You, know, you can't really be happy unless you have the right cell phone. You can't really be happy and have a full and satisfying life unless you have satisfying life unless you have, you know, an iPod or an MP3 player or the right laptop computer or the right video games, right? Okay. Uh, it's interesting. You know, it's funny how in the scripture. You know, the land flowing with electronic gadgets and devices. That's what it would be in modern times, right? Forget the milk and honey. It would be electronic. All right? 
Those things aren't evil in themselves. But materialism offers more than just uh, taking care of our basic needs. It offers to fulfill our life. We are drawn to those things because we think we just can't live without them. Now, we can use them as tools. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's the promise that it, it will deliver more than it does. When I was in my 20s and 30s, actually sometimes still to this day, but when I was young and much more foolish, you know, now I'm only partly foolish, then I was a lot foolish, I hadn't learned this important lesson that, that nothing is free, right? And, and, and I got sucked into so many of these deals, you know, uh, these advertisements that offered free this and free that, free magazine subscriptions and free trial offers. And I remember one time I, I was, I think, for a free camera, they were giving away these free 35-millimeter cameras. They had a picture of it, kind of a blurry, fuzzy picture, but it looked like a pretty cool camera. And I thought, oh, that would be great, a camera. And uh, so I got excited. I started filling out the form, and it only, you know, it's free, but there's the 1999 postage and handling fee, right? I thought, I brought a new camera, a free camera, 1999, what a deal. So I fill out the form, I send it in. A few weeks later, I get back this, like this, it looks like it came out of a cereal box, you know, this cheap, junky plastic camera worth about a dollar. And I'd paid $19.99, you know, it cost them about a buck and a half to ship it. They made a lot of money off this deal. And uh, they, they, you know, I was taken in. I wish I could say that only happened once, but, you know, it happened quite a few times. <laughs> Before I started to get the picture that nothing is really free. Uh, nobody gives anything away in this world because they just want to bless you, all right? There is only one being who's able to do that. And the reality is, even if people wanted to, you know, the world doesn't work that way. People are not able and resource enough to just bless everybody, right? Only one can do that, and that's God. Um, so these voices come to steal and to kill. And the reality is that... Uh, it's more than about just cheap cameras and, you know, magazines. I don't know how many magazines I subscribed to because it was a free three-month trial. And like three years later, I was still paying the subscription and couldn't figure out how to unsubscribe, right? Uh, it's more than just that. It is that Satan, his plan and his purpose is to draw us away from Christ by an endless pursuit of happiness through his plan instead of God's. That's what it comes down to. The world offers us a path to peace and happiness, to good pasture, by following Satan's plan. It's not a new thing. Um, it goes all the way back to Genesis. And I want to read, and I know we know this story so well, but I want to read Genesis chapter 3 um, because it just highlights how Satan operates so well. Genesis 3 says, The serpent was sh the shrewdest, of all the marketing people in the world that God had made. One day, he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat of the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course, that's not what God said. The woman replied, well, of course we may eat from the trees in the garden. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it, which actually he didn't say, if you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. Now get this. God knows that your eyes will be opened 
as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Satan gives this amazing promise. He says, look, God is holding out on you. God is holding back because he doesn't want you to have this good thing. This is a good thing. If you eat this, you will be like God. Okay, you will know good. You will have special wisdom. You will be like God. And Satan, in essence, offers them a shortcut to everything that their heart desired. Now, did God want Adam and Eve to be like him? Was that God's will? Absolutely. I mean, that's the whole point of redemption. Okay, Jesus is redeeming us to make us into his image. We were created in his image. And he wants to restore us to that image. He wants us to be like himself. But Satan says, you know, everything that you long for, this divineness, this glory that God has put in you that you long for and desire, I have a shortcut. I have a better plan. I have a way that maybe God doesn't know about or that he is holding back from you. And uh, it says that the woman was convinced and she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Uh, that is the way the world operates. And since that day till now, Satan is using the exact same strategy to rob and to steal. To climb over the wall and through manipulation and trickery, through lies, through offering things he will not deliver. He is enticing us to be like God, but to do it in his way. To do it in our way. To do it in a way that uh, will fulfill and satisfy the things we long for. And he offers those things and he dangles those things. But it's interesting, it says in Genesis 3 that they ate, she gave some to her husband and ate, and at that moment their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame and their nakedness. Uh, I don't think that's how God felt. If this is God-likeness, we're missing the boat somewhere. Shame, humiliation, nakedness, being exposed. That's not exactly what they were wanting to get. It's kind of like, I mean, this is even worse than getting the cheap camera in the mail. You know, this is realizing you have been royally had. You have been, as my outline says, you have been fleeced. You've been fleeced. Uh, those who are not native English speakers, fleeced is uh, the wool on a sheep, but it also means to be swindled, to be taken advantage of, to be tricked out of your possessions by a con artist. And that's what Satan's all about. And Jesus says uh, that there are, and ultimately it's Satan, there are those who are trying to swindle us out of our inheritance, our divine inheritance, by drawing us away from the shepherd. But thankfully... For those of us who are his sheep, there is another way. And he says, the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come in to him. And he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. Uh, there are those voices that would deceive and destroy us, but there is another voice that is calling us. And it's the voice of Jesus himself. And it says, first of all, that he comes to the gate. You know, the shepherd doesn't need to sneak over the wall, right? 
because the shepherd knows Bob, the guard guy, and he can go up to the gate and he can go direct and clearly and forward and call his sheep out. Uh, how do we know, and, and what Jesus is saying here, especially to the religious leaders, is that he has come to the door. He has come in a way that's been very straightforward and direct and clear. He has spoke, spoken uh, clearly his intentions and his plans. He has not tried to entice and trick and manipulate people. He's very, very straightforward forward and honest. Uh, Jesus comes to, comes to us. Uh, we, as sheep, don't have to go out and find the shepherd. Amazing thing. God, in his grace, uh, knows that if it was left up to the sheep, the sheep would never find the shepherd. You know, if the shepherd would all go back, get back home, you know, they all go back to Bethlehem, uh, and say, okay, sheep, you know, tomorrow morning, come and find us. You, know, you hear these great stories about, like, cats and dogs who do this. People move across the country, and somehow the cat travels, you know, 5,000 miles and finds them. Sheep could not do that, all right? If, if you left and went, like, around the other side of a, of a bush, the, the sheep could not find you, okay? They would just wander aimlessly, blindly, uh, and be lost forever. Jesus comes to us. He comes to us. He comes to the gate. And not only that, but I love this. It says that he calls us out. He calls us by name. Uh, by his voice, he speaks to us. And it says that his sheep hear his voice. If you're here this morning and you have a personal relationship with Christ, if you're here and you know Christ, it is because you have heard him speak to you and you've responded to his voice. Uh, now, you may be thinking, you know, I don't remember that, okay? I don't remember God ever speaking uh, and like I heard him speak to me. Well, he doesn't speak, and his, throughout the book of John, Jesus has been trying to open up people's eyes and minds to this other reality besides our physical world, that there's a spiritual world, the world of the heart and the soul. And that's the place where Jesus speaks to us. Uh, if you're a believer, I want you to think back to when you first came to Christ, that time when you first came to Christ, uh, do you have a sense of him calling you out? Do you have the sense of him speaking to your heart? You know, when I was a kid, I, I, uh, I prayed lots of salvation prayers. I, I grew up in church. I, uh, you know, heard many sermons where I was petrified and didn't want to go to hell, so I prayed some prayer. Uh, but it wasn't until I was 14. And by the way, none of those things really stuck or worked very well. But I remember clearly when I was 14, and I heard God, and I wouldn't have put it in these terms at that time, but clearly I heard Jesus calling me. Calling me. And he wasn't calling me just to get saved from my sins. If Jesus calls you, his voice will be more than that. You see, I knew I had a problem with sin. I didn't want to be a sinner, and I didn't want to go to hell, and so I tried to fix that by praying this magic prayer. Jesus calls us out to follow him. When I was 14 years old, that was a voice I heard very clearly. Jesus saying, come to me, all you who are weary and carrying this heavy burden, and I will give you rest. And I remember clearly as Jesus spoke, and I, I didn't know what it was, but it was as if there was some magnet pulling my heart, drawing me to something bigger than myself. And there was no great promises. You know, Jesus didn't say, follow me and I'll make you rich. Follow me and I'll make you uh, a good student. 
Follow me. I mean, I was 14 years old. What, what really would have worked for me was follow me and I'll make you cool. Because I was not very cool. And I would have given anything to be cool. In fact, I knew, I thought, you know, if I follow Jesus, it's kind of a step in the other direction. Because, like, I didn't know very many cool preacher guys. They all wore funny suits and, and they're like, I, I thought, that's not cool. But there was something in that voice. There was something in Jesus' calling that I was drawn to. I couldn't explain it. I didn't know what it was. But there was some glimmer or or promise of something better. I didn't know what it was, but something better that he was drawing me to. It is an amazing thing that we serve and know a true and living God who is living and active in this world, and he comes to you personally and he calls you. He calls you out. And not just to salvation. He calls us every day to follow him. Uh, This morning, when you got up, he was calling you. Right now, this moment, he is calling to you. He is saying, Tim, I'm here. Are you following? And it's a good thing he does this every morning because, you know, I'm like a sheep. Uh, If I didn't hear his voice calling me, I'd just be like running into a wall, which is sometimes what I do because I'm not listening very well. Running into that wall. I'm not following. But he calls. He calls us day by day. Uh, A lot of you may think, you know, I I want to hear that voice, but I just don't feel like I can hear it. I feel that way a lot. You know, I want to hear that voice, but to be honest, uh, you know, I I feel like I don't hear it. Take it by faith. He is calling you. If you are his sheep, he is calling you. And not only that, but he promises that his sheep hear and know his voice. All right? He promises us that there's something clear and distinct, distinctive and identifiable about his voice. How do you know the voice of Jesus? How do you know that voice? Well, it's ultimately a voice that calls, calls us to himself. Okay? If there are voices in your head calling you to anything other than Jesus, that would not be his voice. All right? His voice is clear and simple and direct, and it's, it's simply calling us to follow him. And step by step, he unveils what that means. Pretty much day by day. Uh, And it's a good thing. You know, if God were to tell, if God would, when I was 14 years old, if God would have said, I want you to follow me because someday I'm going to send you to Thailand and you're going to pastor this church full of missionaries. I would say, whoa, baby. No, thank you. Okay, if he had told me that actually five years ago, I would say, no way. All right? Um, he, He doesn't blow us away with everything he's calling us to. He calls us step by step in clear and simple ways. But it is a promise that we can stake our life on. He says, I come to the pen, I call out, my sheep hear my voice, and they know it. They recognize it. They understand it. So the reality is we don't have to be worried about whether or not we're hearing Jesus' voice. Deep in our heart, he's speaking. In some mysterious way I can't explain very well, We hear it, and there is something pulling us inside that is his voice. Some magnetic force, something drawing and pulling us away from the things of this world to himself. And we can rest in that, all right? And we can be confident in that. And we need to learn to live by that voice. Uh, that, That really is ultimately what the Christian life is all about. It's coming to the place where we hear that voice, we recognize it, and we step by step follow it. 
uh, which is a scary thing. Uh, there's something very secure and safe about this sheepfold. Okay, you're in this big, huge box. Okay, the scenery is not too great, and it's very crowded, right? But if you're a sheep, you know that there's like, you know, a meter, well, probably two meters high and maybe a meter thick of rock between you and wolves. And that's a good thing, right? And uh, along comes the shepherd, and he calls you out. And you're thinking, you know, it's, it's nice right here. <laughs> I think I like this place. Okay, you know, that's where the crowd is, that's where the people are, it's kind of a party going on in here. I think I'll just stay here, right? There's something very secure about staying where we are. But that voice calls us out. And he calls us to take and step out of that safety zone, that safe place that we built for ourselves, our comfort zone, and follow his voice. Uh, not only does he call us, but, but it says he calls his own sheep by name. Not only does he have a voice that we can clearly understand and recognize as his, it says that he calls us by name. Uh, you know, Jesus' call to us is not generic. He's not just saying, hey, you out there, whoever you are, come and follow He calls us and knows us individually, and he calls you specifically by name. He knows you. Uh, you know, shepherds in those days, they knew their sheep personally. They could look at a sheep and know which one was which. Now, you know, I've seen sheep. In fact, at one time we raised sheep, and uh, I didn't like sheep, so I stayed far away from them. And to me, they all just looked the same. You know, they just all looked white and woolly. But somebody who spends time with them, who knows them intimately, knows them individually. Praise God that we are not just a generic mass of people, that God knows you individually and personally. He knows exactly what you are struggling with today. He knows exactly what you are worried about. Uh, he knows the, the problems that you are facing. Uh, he knows what, uh, what secret things you're hiding from everyone else. And yet he loves you and he calls you by name. Uh, he calls to you in spite of the fact that you're a dumb sheep to come and follow him because he loves you and because he knows everything about you. Um, it says that, in verse 4, it says, after he's gathered his own flock, he walks on ahead of them and they follow because they know his voice. Um, he calls us out, but he doesn't just call us out for an assembly. He calls us out for a very clear and specific purpose. And ultimately, he calls us out to lead us somewhere. Uh, and that is to lead us to green pastures, to lead us to uh, a life of abundance. And in the next passage, next section, we're going to look at it in a couple of weeks, he explains this in more detail. Um, it says that he gathers them out. And as I said in this picture, there's this big huge sheepfold. When he gets his own sheep out, the shepherd leads them. Now, in, in our day, a sheep are driven with dogs and sticks. In those days, because of the relationship the shepherd had with the sheep, the shepherd would actually go out in front. And the language that's used here in the Greek is very strong. That he, in a sense, forcefully or, or actively goes out in front to take charge and to lead us. But where is he leading us to? Well, the shepherd always wants to lead his sheep to the place where they can feed and eat. Where they can be filled. Uh, you know, Psalm 23 uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not need anything. I shall not have want. Why? 
Well, because the shepherd takes you to the place that fills you with fullness and abundance. Uh, here's, here's the reality. Satan offers you all kinds of stuff, but he will never deliver. Jesus, on the other hand, keeps every promise. And he calls us to himself and he leads us out because he wants to bless and fill our life with abundant things. He wants to fill us with his abundance. Uh, His desire is to make you incredibly happy, filled with his joy and goodness. Uh, He leads you out to green pastures. He leads you to waters. He leads you to drink ultimately of himself. Um, So what is our job in this? Uh, He comes, he calls us, he calls us by name, and he's going to lead us. Our job is simply to follow. Short and simple. Our response is to follow him. Uh, And we don't follow... And it comes down to obedience. Okay, It's a matter of faith and obedience. Uh, we follow him in obedience, which is not the same as keeping a list of rules. Okay, We don't follow a list of rules. We follow a person. And in that, there is obedience. Okay, He calls us and asks us to do and follow and go to specific places. And as we hear his voice, what we must do is respond through obedience and follow him. And that ultimately is an act of faith. Uh, It is believing that where Jesus is taking us is a good place. Uh, Day by day, we have a choice to make. Day by day, we are presented with these thieves and robbers who are dangling before us all kinds of good things that quite honestly are very appealing to us. Uh, I wish I could say that those things were not interesting to me. The reality is, the things that the world offers are very interesting to me. They're very exciting. They're very appealing. And part of me believes the marketing. Part of me believes that you know, I don't think I'm going to really be happy unless I have some of that. I think, I think I'm missing out. And Satan says that lie. You know, God is holding out on you. He, you know, he, he doesn't know what I know what would make you happy. And believe me, you know, this, this, this would make you happy. Right now it's a new car, because my car keeps breaking. And I'm thinking a new car would make me very happy, right? So if, you know how, you know, if somebody has a new car they want to give me and bless me, I'll, I'll pray about it. Um, so we have that choice to follow that path. But at the same time, Jesus is calling us. He's saying, follow me. And follow me down a much different path. And quite honestly, the path that he's calling me to sometimes doesn't look that exciting. You know, We don't see the pasture on the other side of the hill. All we see is this barren landscape sometimes of desert and rock and dust and dirt. And we're going, it's a long walk. And it's hot out today. I don't think I want to go for a long walk today. Right? And it is a matter of faith to decide, do I trust And do I believe with all my heart that following Jesus is the only thing that will truly bring joy and contentment and fulfillment into my life? See, every day we're faced with those choices. To be obedient to Him and follow His path, to go where He's going, which honestly sometimes is very difficult. Uh, He never said it would be easy. And oftentimes it involves suffering and difficulty and hardship. Um... 
you know, I was sharing with a brother the other day, we were both sharing how, how much and how often we think, you know, let's just quit. You know, let's just quit and go home. You know, there's at least one other brother that's agreeing with me, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, this is hard. And I'm not really too crazy about this path. And quite honestly, I'm not sure that on the other side of that hill, instead of, I'm going to get over the hill, instead of a green pasture, it's just going to be a cliff. And I'm just going to walk off the cliff, right? And you know, this other path just seems so much more inviting and promising. And it comes down to faith. We hear that voice. Do we believe that God really loves us? And that He ultimately has our best interest in mind? That he, what He wants to do is take us to a place where we will be abundantly blessed and happy. And you know, Satan's tricky. And, you know, and this is what we think. We think, well, I've been going down this path. And I've been doing this faith thing. And I've been following it. And quite honestly, I'm not feeling very abundantly blessed and happy. I'm feeling rather poor and broke. And, you know, beat up. Right? And that's because, you know, we, we look to the things that the world offers and we think we've so been convinced by that marketing scheme that that is happiness that when we follow Jesus and we don't get the material blessings that the world offers, we think, see, God's not coming through. Because we still believe that those things can bring happiness. And so when God doesn't give us those things, we think we've been cheated. And we're going, God, I I don't want to go down that path anymore because it's not working. But the thing is, what, what, what God is leading us to is so much more than the shallow and empty promises the world offers. He is offering eternal life. Later he says, I'm offering life in abundance. I'm offering good things you can't imagine. And it comes down to a matter of faith. Do I really believe God is loving and good or not? And so the, the choice is ours to follow that voice or not. And Jesus says, here's how you tell the difference between my sheep and those who are not my sheep. My sheep do hear my voice. They do know that I am speaking. They do trust in me. And by, by stepping out and following, they are exercising faith. Every day you don't give up and go home. You may not believe it, it may not feel like it, but you are walking in faith. Okay, Every day you just keep plugging along. It may not be very exciting or glamorous. You know, There may not be like uh, you know, people, miracles and walking on water and extraordinary things happening every day. But as you go out in faith, big things are happening. And big things will happen. As you keep stepping out, step by step, following in faith. And as part of that following in faith, as, as part of following that path, he says they, they won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Here's the reality. The more we follow Christ, the more we hear his voice, the more we identify it and put faith in it, the more we will be strengthened to flee and run from those other voices. Because we will know they are liars. We will know they are a stranger and we will know that their plan is to use us, to destroy us, uh, to turn us into fur coats, you know, uh, to, to chew up our life. And we will realize that that is danger. 
and it becomes easier and easier. Uh, it's always a choice, but it becomes easier to follow that voice and run from those other voices. Sadly, uh, in, in, in our Christian world today, there is this thought or belief that we can follow Jesus, we can be a Christian, and still play with these other toys. Right? That, it, that somehow that's an option. That it's an option to play with the thieves and the robbers, but belong to the shepherd. Well, Jesus makes it very clear that's not an option. He says, if you are a true sheep, you will hear his voice, and you will respond by following in obedience, and you will run away from those other voices. You see, those who are religious, and who think that they can claim Christ as their shepherd, but hang out a lot with thieves and robbers, are simply deceived people. That's what the Pharisees and religious leaders were in Jesus' day. They thought they could claim allegiance to God, but hang out with the, the ultimate thief and robber who is Satan. And if you do that, what it will make you is a thief and a robber. If you follow Satan and you buy into his scheme, you will become one of his agents. And whether you are in the church or out of the church, whether you call yourself a Christian or not, if you follow him, if you play that game, you become a user and abuser. You become one who uses people for your own selfish gain. And sadly, there are so many examples of religious leaders, pastors, uh, leaders of Christian organizations who have got caught using people for their own selfish gain, embezzling funds, involved in immoral relationships, uh, causing great harm to their children because they were not following the shepherd so they could not be a good shepherd. They were following Satan, and so they became a thief and a robber, uh, all too often in the name of Christ. Let's pray. As we just bow our hearts before the Lord right now, I would really like to invite you just in, in your heart to put aside everything else and focus on His voice. Um, see ourselves as the sheep who's, who's in this pen anxiously awaiting the shepherd. And He comes. And Jesus calls your name. Just hear his voice as he calls your name. And he calls you in love and compassion to himself as the good shepherd who loves you, who wants to take you to green pastures, who wants to give rest to your weary soul, who wants to feed you ultimately from himself. You've been listening to a sermon recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org.